You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, this is going to be event session Monday. It's been a while since we've had one of those. Crunch time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Producer and co-host is the main man, Mr. James Mesh. James, buddy, how was your weekend? It was a weekend. It, it was that indeed. It was that indeed. Um, Cajuns got it done. They're they're going bowling. Yeah, but which is great. We'll talk about that. But man, LSU they for, they forgot how to tackle, and Saints. This is they a, didn't get on the plane. This is a perfect, perfect definition of a good, bad, and ugly weekend. And of course, you know we're going to start with the ugly, and then we're going to get to the bad. And then finally, we'll, we'll top. We'll, we'll get to the good. We'll, we'll top it off with the good. We so always if, like to finish on a high note. So if you're looking for Cajun's talk, we're going to get there. Don't worry. It's a two-hour show. We're going to get there. We're going to start with the ugly. We're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. Because, wow. We scored as many points as they did. Wow. We scored as many points as they did yesterday. Look, I understand... You know, everybody. Oh, you know, th- this is a, a, a wash season. They're, they're, you know, they're never gonna bounce back from where they're at now. Blah blah. Whatever. Say whatever you want. I don't care. My thing is this: when you go on the road, play a team that has been a rival for you throughout your existence. Your fan base absolutely despises. Your opponent yesterday. Now, the Niners, to their credit, they have been a high-powered offense this year. They've put points on the board. They've beaten opponents. You know, blah, blah, blah. All the good things. If you hold the Niners to 13 points, which, by the way, of those 13 points, they only got in the end zone once. And you, it was... And it was, a, it was a fluke. It was a fluke. It, it took a lot for them to be able to get to that point because you had to have a penalty that was extended by well, Chris Harris pushing pushing Jawan Jennings out of bounds and then just the Tyron Matthew tipping the ball. But he Jawan wasn't, Jennings still somehow coming up with it. He wasn't able to tip it far back enough, and it kind of just went a little too much straight up in the air, and Jawan ended up catching it. They scored it. one fluke touchdown. Only hold them to 13 points, and you kept them under 100 yards rushing. Yet you still lose the game. By two touchdowns. This is what I don't understand. There will be games where the Saints offense shines, and the defense refuses to show up. And then there's games like yesterday, where the defense actually played pretty well. Other than a couple of plays, I mean, they played well. But it was like any time that the Saints had an opportunity to get the ball, to at least to at least put some points on the board. It didn't even have to be a touchdown. Like it could have even been a field goal to give them some Nothing. type of momentum. Nothing. Miss field goal by Will Lutz. You had the 
30-yard catch by Chris Olave that was reversed. Which we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But You had the fumble to begin the, the game with Kamara, and then you had the fumble in the red zone at the two-yard line by mm-hmm. Kamara. And then you and had then, you had Andy Dalton throwing the ball in the dirt on a screen. And then one you, hopper. And then you have first and goal from the four. And you throw four straight passes? From the four. And then you also had the Alante Taylor interception that was called back because I mean, Chris Harris. That held. was a weak that was a weak call. That was that was a weak. It was very weak. I just and, and you know People, pe- people can sit there and say that the, the Saints get cheated by the NFL, and, and sometimes I believe that that's true. But yesterday, you cheated yourself. There were, you cheated there was also times yourself. That you just, there were just times where you just had bad execution. Well, going, I mean, yeah, agreed. Going, going back to that Chris Harris unnecessary roughness, pushing Jawan out of bounds, what are you doing? You know, you know. That your offense did not perform well. When Andy Dalton is your leading rusher, four carries for 21 yards was your best rushing stat line. What? They ran 21 plays compared to the 49ers' 42 in the first half. 21 plays. You, you, they had, they had multiple. Three and outs, and if it wasn't a three and out, they had the four yard. They had the four play drive where Kamara fumbled on first down. Mm-hmm. They also had a five play drive that re- also resulted in a punt. They didn't actually have a nice size drive until the start of the second half. But guess what? It didn't matter because they still didn't score. I'm tired of wasting good defensive performances with horrible offense. Kate Nellis, 14 tackles. Chris Harris, 7 tackles. Demario Davis, 5 tackles. Paulson Adebo had 6 tackles and 2 breakups. Like, why are we wasting these performances? You hold the Niners to 13 points, you should win the game. Plain and simple. If you hold any team to 13 points, well, I mean, you, sh- I agree. you should win the game. I agree, but really the Niners. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, though. How do you, you should win that football game. you got to find a way... Taysom Hill has to throw the football more. Has to. And like I said, they had a big opportunity, but they called it back. It is it is way too predictable when he's on the field what we're going to do or what the Saints are going to do. It's way too predictable. The second you see seven line up in the backfield, oh, they're running. He's running it. Well, that's why they ended up throwing. He threw one pass. He threw the one. He threw the one pass. He threw one pass. It, it to me that completely screwed it up because they were worried like, oh, if 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 they try to go, if if they try to pass it one more time with Taysom, they're gonna read it and Taysom's gonna get sacked or something. I don't know how he didn't get sacked when, on that one. When Taysom Hill is more involved in the offense, which I so he he act, now that I remember he did throw the two passes, but remember the second one didn't count because of the roughing the passer. Well, right. When Taysom Hill is more involved in the offense, the Saints' offense performs better. It was evident against the Rams. It was evident against the Seahawks. Why do you get away from that? Why? 
Like, somebody, please make it make sense in my head why you would shy away from that. Please. The phone line is wide open. 706-0111. Somebody make it make sense to me. Now, let's get to the Chris Olave thing. In what world is that not a catch? The man caught the ball, pulled it into his chest, and took two steps. Now, yes, when he hit the ground, the ball popped loose, so it would have been a catch and a fumble. But he got tagged. He got tagged on the ankle. They be- still would before before his knee went down. They still probably would have called it a catch and a fumble. I I agree with they, but no no one they they still would have found a way to call it a catch and a fumble. Even if it is a catch and a fumble, Olave was there to recover it. That rule is idiotic. If you maintain possession of the football and take a forward step, that's a catch. That's a catch. Now, if you maintain, if you catch the football and, you know, you take a step or, or two backwards and then drop the ball, you know, like you can call that whatever you want. If you turn your body and take a step forward, that should be considered a football move. Therefore, that's considered a catch. It's ridiculous. Let's go to the hotline. Ron, what's up? Um, nothing much. Thanks for taking the call, guys. Uh, I know you're on the radio, but but do anybody know what a catch is? I, I show it on anymore. You know, um, maybe you. I mean, I, I know you just went through it, but what's the catch these days? I mean, um, I, I I just don't get it. And um, I think it was a game changer, and aggravated, frustrated, everything you want uh, come with that. But um. What the hell is a catch anymore? You know, what I mean, nobody knows. It seems like nobody so, uh, has an idea what a catch is. According to the according, on that, right? this is this is how the NFL has it written in the rule book: control the ball, get two feet or another body part down, which he had two feet, and make a football move such as a third step or reach for the line to gain, or the ability to perform such a move. I'm, you know. I'm, I'm no football coach. I'm no referee. I've never claimed to be. However, I do believe that from what I saw yesterday, Chris Olave had the ability to make a football move in that moment. Therefore, by the NFL's rule book, that would be a catch. He got he got tripped because I've been watching the playback. He he made the two steps and got tripped on the on the second one, so he fell. So it's a catch. By the NFL's rule book, that's a catch. And then get another body part down. So when his forearm hits and he still has possession of the football, that's a catch. And yeah, the ground can force a fumble. I, I, part of me thinks that's a dumb rule too. But I, I just I don't understand. You know, Ron put it perfectly. If, if that's not a catch, what is? I still go. I also still go back to Hunter Henry's on. On Thanksgiving oh. night, yeah, that, that's that's another one. That's idiotic like, too. I I don't get it because we seem to have these conversations. It's not as consistent anymore, but we we still have these conversations way too often of what is a catch, even though it's defined. But it it feels like so far and few between. Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't get it because, because there seems to be a controversy every once in a while where it's like 
it, it seems to be a catch. It makes sense that it would be a catch, but then they rule it no. And I, I don't get it. Looking at our poll question of the day, what frustrated you the most about the Saints' loss yesterday so far? 36% of you say Kamara's fumbles. 36% of you say zero points scored. 18% of you say that it came against the Niners. And then Scott Viatar comments and says, the fact that we had no sense of urgency after the Alave catch slash no catch could have snapped it and just moved on. If I'm not mistaken, DA decided to sub. That's a good point. That's a good point. If you would have just gotten up and snapped the ball, Shanahan would have never had time to challenge it. Because they had ruled it a catch. The only reason it got overturned was because Shanahan challenged it. So he brings up a good point. You, you run up there and just snap the ball. You can't challenge it. You move on. So that I, I, I didn't think about that. That's actually a pretty good point. Um... Look, at, at the end of the day, it, it's it's clear and obvious that Kamara now has a fumbling problem. That's now four this year, two just in yesterday's game. It is obvious that this team has a execution issue, which, I mean, we've known that, but you, you saw it even more directly yesterday. And, James, you... I'll bring you in on this. I think there's a culture problem. I think that there's a there. I think there's a locker room issue. I don't see any motivation. I don't see any leaders stepping up. I don't see. Like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can tell me something that you're seeing. But there's there's issues. To, to me, at least, I, I think there's issues bigger than what's just happening on the field. I mean, just because we don't necessarily see somebody going ooh-rah-rah on the sideline every time something doesn't go the way, go their way, doesn't mean that they're not having conversations in the locker room or before or after the game. You know what I mean? Just because we don't always see a huddle whenever a, t- uh, a unit of the of the team is struggling doesn't mean that they initially not, don't care or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I want somebody to show some energy. I want somebody to show some passion. I want to I want to see somebody give a damn. Cause all all I'm seeing is guys going through the motions and oh, you know, the team's not very good this year. We just move on. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they got pretty hyped up. And got excited for one another when they made the goal line stop. I feel like I see Alante Taylor get pretty hype anytime the ball goes his way and he either makes the tackle or makes the breakup or anything like that. Or even when we saw the interception for Alante, teammates got pretty excited. It's just they called it back and they were like, well, what the hell? I need it all the time, though. Not just when good things happen. Like after they have a bad drive, you, you need to see, hey, you know, you'll get the next one. Don't worry about it. You need to see, I just don't feel like, I don't know, something just feels very off with this team than it has in recent years. And and it's not just the fact that they're not playing very well because they didn't play well last year. I don't know, like like I said, something just feels different this year. 
com- compared to you know years years past. I mean, it's not it's not like they're and it's not like they played terrible yesterday. They made a lot of good plays. They held Elijah Mitchell. I the mean, offense he, the offense was terrible. The offense, yes, but uh, like looking at the specific key players that they had to worry about that San Fran has been leaning on. Brand, I, you, he was probably the best one out of everybody because Christian McCaffrey, he was, other than one solid play, it's not like he did anything. He got open on one play, but Jimmy overthrew him. Debo, he was pretty bottled up. He he was pretty contained for the most part. Kittle, I wasn't worried about Kittle. Even though he's really good and he's one of the best tight ends, I knew that the Saints are one of the best, if not the best, at guarding tight ends. So me seeing three for 26 for Kittle, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Elijah Mitchell not really doing much in the run or pass game. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much stopped everybody. Ayuk, he had a solid game, and then Jawan Jennings just had the one drive where he was just really good. But other than that, he was he had two catches outside of that drive. So it's like the the defense played really well, and this the Saints, the offense, they put themselves in opportunities to get scores. They just couldn't finish. Anytime they got close, and I talked about this with you earlier before the show. This reminds me again about that 2018 Thanksgiving for the Saints whenever they just kept stopping the Falcons. I had talked about before when Drew threw four touchdown passes to four different undrafted free agents. It also went the other way because anytime the Falcons tried to score, the Saints just they had a lid on the end zone. They just didn't allow them to get in. That's what it felt like to me. I'm not bashing the defense. I'm not I'm not talking about the, the, the defense from yesterday's game. The defense yesterday was fantastic. They did everything right. You held them to two field goals, and the one touchdown they scored was literally a fluke. The offense has to execute. I don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara, but the guy's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out quickly. He fumbled twice. He only had, what was it, 19 yards rushing? 13 yards rushing? I mean, yeah, he had 37 yards in in the passing game, which is which is great. But like, I need we 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 are the Saints are sorely lacking, sorely lacking a running game. Horribly lacking a running game. That has to be the number two issue that, that gets addressed this, this offseason. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentor Jewelers. Simply enter into the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentor Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a time out when we return. We will have audio from Saints head coach Dennis Allen following the loss to the 49ers. You are listening to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
I guess you can keep your head up. 25 after the hour, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's go to the hotline. Ralph, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? How are Listen, you, sir? Uh, I know I know y'all a lot younger than I am, but um, that game yesterday reminded me so much of, of the old NFC West days when we had the Dome Patrol, and, and we would always play Joe Montana and Steve Young really, really tough. The defense always stepped up. But we had Carl Smith as the offensive coordinator and a, a very conservative Jim Mora, and we just did not – um, execute on, on uh, offense, and I heard you mention about execution on offense, and it reminds me of, I forgot what Coach said it, but yes, I'm all in favor of the execution of this offense, because it is not working, man. Um, when you have the kind of field position we had, especially in the second half, to come away with no points, it, it, it's really inexplicable. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a, it's, it's a lost cause, I think, this year. Uh, but they've got to figure it out going forward. And, and, and I can tell you, um, the, the, the guys on the sideline right now, in my opinion, are not the guys that are going to figure it out. They're, they're going to have to. I don't think they will. I, I don't think they'll bite the bullet after one year. But I think it's going to. It's necessary. I just. Um, it was. It was a gut wrenching loss, knowing what was on the line, Matt. You know, knowing. That man, everything's falling in your favor. Atlanta loses, you know. Tampa Bay loses. It's right there, and and your defense is playing their butts off, and you're getting good field. But now, look, officiating. We can talk about that for the rest of the night. It was horrible, but you've got to get points. You can't have first and goal at the, at the four yard line, and 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 come away with nothing. I mean. It, it's yeah, just, it's, my, it's, it's, you know, you, you brought up the officiating being horrible, and I agree, it wasn't great at all. But my thing, the thing that bugs me is that you had the opportunity to put points on the board to where how bad the officiating was wouldn't have even mattered. And we, you didn't. Exactly. No, we, we in the last five minutes, we had opportunity to score the 14 points, secure that victory. And, and, and look, you know, uh, it, it's just been that. It's just been a weird season. I mean, when 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 you, you know the ball just every time it bounces, it seems like it it bounces the wrong direction. Or, or Tyron Matthew finally makes a play. You know, tips the ball. It goes right to the receiver who's falling down. Um, you know, uh, obviously the Chris Olave catch was a catch. I mean, that 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 was a ridiculous uh, call, but. Um, but I'm with you. You know, Alvin Kamara. You know, I'm telling you, Matt, his his head is not straight. He, he, I guess if I was facing legal problems too, I'd have that in my mind all the time. I, I, but this, he's not the same dude. I mean, he's dropping swing passes. He used to always catch. He's fumbling. You know, at, at a rate where he, he just never fumbled before, and. You know, it, it, he's just not in his head's not clear, man. It's not, you know, there, there's a couple bright spots, uh, and I will say, I gotta, I gotta finally, you know, Rashid Shahid is a, is a weapon, and they need to keep using him. But, um, but there's a, a few other things they need to, um, man, they need to clean it up. And, and I, I don't even want to even think about playoffs or, or the division anymore. No. Although it's, it's obviously right there in, in front of you, but, man. Not good. No, Not absolutely. Good at all. Ralph, appreciate the call, man.
All right, bud. Thanks. I mean, it, it, it's just it's just frustrating. You, you get to the point where, you know, as, as crappy as this whole season has gone, I mean, going into yesterday's game, you beat the Niners, you're a half game out. You could have walked out of San Francisco five and seven and half a game out of the division. And you you just you didn't. And now you're you're just the, the thing that's so frustrating is that now you're letting other teams dictate how your season's gonna play out. When the problem should Take care of your own business. Just take care of your business. It's like the United States. We, we talked about it Friday in, 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 with that match against England. That draw was so big because now you control what happens to you. You're not put in a corner and relying on other you other teams and other people right. to help you. You don't have to be the New Orleans Saints last year where you had to sit there and say, oh man, I I hope the Niners don't win. Just take care of your own crap. And when when your defense holds a team to 13 points and you have two trips inside the five, put points on the board! God, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But hey, you 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 know we we could we we could be the Jets. Oh wait, they won. Hmm. Shocker. <laughs> Doesn't matter who's a quarterback, because the team is good. I just and, and now, you know, you look at the five games left in the season. The Bucks. The Falcons. The Falcons. The, the, the Panthers. So you play the division one more time, and then you get Deshaun Watson and Jalen Hurts. Whoopee! I'm so Which, excited. Well, here's the thing. The way the Eagles are playing, by the time they get I'm to week even, 17. I'm not even going to say that they're beatable. I'm not even going to say they're beatable. Unless they sit everybody. But that's the that's the point I'm trying to get as I, I think. Do you think they sit everybody the second to last week of the season? I don't think they sit everybody, but I think they sit quite a few starters. Like, they don't, they don't bring out. Jason Kelsey, they don't bring out Lane Johnson. They don't bring out Jalen Hurts. They maybe keep out they maybe keep in Miles Sanders, but they're definitely taking out AJ Brown. You you know what you know what makes you takes you take out some of the defensive stars, especially CJ Gardner Johnson since he's been injured a couple times now this year. You know what makes yesterday's loss even more annoying? If you win, you're half game out, right? Uh huh. Now that you lost, you're in last yep. in the division. Mm-hmm. Last because Carolina holds a tiebreaker over you. How did you lose to Carolina? You give up a 67-yard touchdown to LaVisca Chenault on a dump-off route. WD4L, I guess. James, I'm hoping you picked up what I'm saying, right? I'm trying to remember what it is. Who that for life? 
It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Today, score $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only $20. That is $40 in vouchers to a gourmet popcorn shop that has over 40 flavors, and you can get it all for half the price. Once again, head to AcadianaDeals.com to get $40 in vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn for only $20. Take a timeout here from Dennis Allen, and we will also begin our LSU rant. Next, here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You know what else you need if you're the Saints? First is a quarterback. Second is a good running back. Downhill runner. Running back, by the way. Third is me as offense coordinator. No. <laughs> a kicker. Oh. <laughs> Will Lutz sucks. Okay, Foot Jr. Um, look, I, I love Foot. I mean, I, I love Foot. I mean, I do love Foot. <clears throat> I also love Will Lutz. I really do. The guy just hasn't been the same since his injury. He has not been the same guy this year. He has not been... You know, Mr. Reliable, step up in big moments and get kicks. Like, he just has not been that guy. So what are you doing? You're throwing him away? Like like Andy being like, I don't want to play with you anymore. I, I, I don't want to throw him away, but, I mean, how many kicks you going to miss? You're killing me. I think, I think it's just one of those years. You're killing me. It's just, it's just nothing's going right. And you said Ralph had... Direct message you? Yeah. So, he, and he brings up a good point. It, it's an interesting point. We, we were talking about how, you know, you had brought up that you thought Philly might rest some of their starters. Depending on how it goes. And so. Because if, if you're 16-2 and two and you got a three-game lead he over said, the rest of the conference. He said Philly will want to beat the Saints. The worse the Saints record, the higher their first-round pick. And and that's, it's, that's a good point in theory, but here's how I see it. It, and I'm and I'm going to use and I'm going to use your logic when you were talking about the Cajuns versus Florida State. Mm-hmm. Why would you risk injury for trying to get somebody else's pick one pick higher? It's like you get you get the fifth pick instead of the sixth pick, but oh, you lose AJ Brown. I mean, are, I mean, are you are you going to risk? Are, do you really want to risk that injury when you when you are so far the best team, arguably? In the league, and you're you're gonna risk all your players when you could have just rested them and made sure that they were healthy for the playoffs. That's true. That's like, true. and even if you rest them, you still have a pretty solid chance of beating the Saints if you're the Eagles. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's true. Um, Dennis Allen met with the media following the loss to the Niners yesterday, and here was his opening statement. At the end of the day, we didn't make enough plays, and there was plays out there to be made. Um, and and we didn't make enough plays. And look, you got to give them credit. I mean, obviously they got a really good football team, offensively, defensively, in the kicking game. They made enough plays to win the game. But uh, I felt like there were some opportunities out out there for us, um, and and we didn't take advantage of them. Now, Da, you do you have to hire Sherlock Holmes to figure that one out? Now, Da, what do you what do you think a catch is? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't know what a catch is in our league uh, anymore. Um, it's kind of changed <laughs> multiple times. Um, 
you know, their, their, their explanation to me was that he didn't survive the ground. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what a catch is. It's pretty bad when even a head coach in the NFL doesn't know what a catch is anymore. That's pretty bad. I just and look, obviously that was a big turning point in the game because that would have been a third trip to the red zone for the Saints. That 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 would have been the first one. Well, that would have been the first of yeah what, three. What ended up being three? I don't know that that really changed the game though. And I and I don't think. And and you go back to that drive. You miss it. Okay, sucks. You end up getting a flag, and now it's third and fourteen. Yeah, I, I get the gutsiness to try and get that that play back and get it back to about the ten yard line or wherever, and get close to where Chris Olave was originally. But man, just get six yards. Just get six, six, seven yards. Even fines five is doable because even though Will lets miss the his only kick, it's not like he's going to miss every single one. You still feel like he can make a 48, 49 yarder. I, I and that just, still would have put up points on the board and you would have been tied. You would have been tied at three. Yep. No, I know. And, and look, it, it's one of those things where there, there are certain times where you can look at a play and go, that's where the game flipped on its head. I don't know that you can do that yesterday. And, and and if if there is a play that that somebody thinks is is when the game turned, I, I'd like to hear it because I just I can't pinpoint a play from yesterday's game where that's the one that changed the game. You know, uh, let's go to the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. Joe, what's up? Uh, not too much, man. Uh, just uh, a couple of things. Uh, yeah, the the one thing you were talking about the catch uh, that wasn't a catch that should have been a catch or whatever. But uh, the thing about it, if you notice, too, he changed hands with the ball. He put he put it from his uh, right to his left side uh, to make a football move after he controlled the ball before he even hit the ground. And secondly, um, the coaching needs to get uh, quite a bit of blame on this. When you have first and goal with the four-yard line, run the ball with Taysom three times. I don't care who you are. Any idiot with any kind of sense would know you got to run the damn ball up the middle with that boy. And on a third down and one, the same thing. You take Jason out and you put Andy Dalton in to throw a pass on third and one. That's just as stupid as it gets. But anyway, that's my comments. I'll uh, listen. Thank you. Appreciate you, Joe. Yeah, I mean, spot on. First and goal from the – how are you not running the ball? How? I'm, I'm, I'm cool with you throwing the ball. And and I get it, and I get it every once in a while. If you want to throw it on first down, just to see, just see if you can get in the end zone. Second down, though, that's that should be the when, running when that, down. When that when that first down pass was incomplete, run the football. And then if he gets two yards on third and goal, guess what? Run it again. And if he gets a yard and it's fourth and goal from the one, run it again. And if they stuff you, then look, they stuffed you. Congrats! Like, like that's you, you just had. That's you got what that it one. is, right? You got me. You beat me. Let's talk about that's the that's been the ugly. Let's talk about the bad. Let's talk about the bad. Let's look at LSU from Saturday night. <laughs> LSU just didn't show up. I don't think they got they, on the bus. They they never left Baton Rouge. Not and, the and, defense, and at least. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I kind I kind of expected it. I kind of expected it. I mean, I had a feeling it would be a game. I thought it'd be close, but I didn't. I didn't expect this kind of thrashing on the ground. Oh, I did. A-Chain's phenomenal. 
he is just something else. I didn't expect them to maybe get as much as they did. Like but, I, I would have understood one ten, but maybe one twenty. But the fact that he got two thirty on the ground, he ended up with two fifteen. But yeah, two fifteen. Yeah, he got he, and as much as he got the ball thirty over thirty times, thirty eight times. Yeah, thirty eight times for two fifteen. Um, yeah, you know that that's An obviously absolute thrashing on the ground. He averaged six point. He averaged five point seven yards per carry. The the thing that really sticks out to me from the LSU game is is the fact that you depended so much on you you, you depended so much on John Emery, who you haven't depended on a whole lot this year. Josh Williams didn't play. Um which obviously, you know, you, you you felt that, right? You you realized pretty quickly that, you know, he was not the factor in, in the game that he had been. But uh, we'll get back to that in a second. T, what's going on, bud? Not too much in you, Matt. Oh, Man, y'all doing well? We we trying to. We're trying to. Oh, well, I hear you on that. Well, look, I got uh, my first question is: Do you put corn in your spaghetti? Corn in my spaghetti. Yeah, because you sound like just like a guy I know that does that. No, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> that would be Mr. Foot. Oh. You kind of, you kind of, <laughs> uh, enrolled Yeah, right James, James calls me, James likes to call me Foot Junior. Him and okay. Hannah are becoming that, that, their long hey, loss. That, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Uh, just joking with you, man. Uh, Next thing is, uh, I just read where LSU lost uh, a commit from a D-lineman four-star. That'd be the second one. Do you think we'll see a bunch of this uh, till February or no? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you will just because, I mean, that's, gonna, that's the nature of college football. You're going to have kids commit, decommit, recommit. It, it it's the way the portal is now, and the way you can easily just bounce around from school to school. You're you're, you're going to see a lot of this. Is it because we lost the no, Texas A&M? No, I mean maybe maybe to some kids that might play into it, but some kids are so flip floppity. It just depends on the week. As as yeah, I mean that 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 same kid might post in two weeks that that he's back committed to LSU. I mean, there's just there's so much, you know, wishy washy in college football now because the NCAA has relaxed the rules so much to where you can up and go tomorrow and go wherever you want and play immediately. I got you. Hey, guys, have a good show, man. Thanks for uh, the time. Appreciate you, T. I was, waiting, I was waiting for this DM to come in. Darren Francis. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to say Jacob. <laughs> Mike White. I told you. <laughs> man. Look, would I be surprised look, if Mike White absolutely? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give Mike White his due. I'm I'm gonna give it to him. The guy played his ass off yesterday. I'm gonna give it to him. I really am. However, he had a we we talked about this when the news came out that he was gonna start. He had one good game last year. He had one great game this year. 
Now he comes back out and does it again. And then again after that. Okay. You know, you, you might have something with Mike White. But if this is just another flash in the pan, one game wonder like he was last year. Which is what I think which is Which is what I think it's gonna be. But he, but here's the thing, and we Darren had explained it as well. And I just it's like it's like you and Albert Einstein putting your names on a science project and Einstein did all the work and you just put your name on it. That's what it felt like with Zach Wilson getting those wins. I mean, I, I don't. He, get, I he don't, gets he gets a big part of the credit, but he he didn't do too much to win it, and it's not like he was very helpful. I don't necessarily disagree. However, it's a second year in the league. Mm-hmm. The guy was five and two as a starter. You can't just give up on that. And no one, and no one's saying that. And but 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 you are because you benched him to the point where he wasn't even available yesterday. He wasn't even dressed. Dude, that's that's a bad move. You want to make him the backup? Okay, you know, I'm having a rough stretch. You benched him. And, if, and, if and now gonna, what? If you're going to act like a child, you have to discipline him. And now, and now what? Oh, so really? We're benching a guy because of what he said in the press conference? But also, his play has not been good. Sometimes you just need to take a step back. And see it from a different angle. And then when you ruin the guy, then what happens? Then what do you do if you're the Jets? Because you're back at square one. Do what you always done. What, but you, you actually continue but, continue to suck. Well, not with this supporting cast. Oh my god! You got a solid offense and you got a really nice defense. Oh my god! Like I said, you got to keep yourself in contention in the AFC East. Because if you keep continuing to have Zach Wilson play bad and they lose games. Well, then it's like, well, we're just starting them just to start them. The guy had only lost two games as a starter. And it was two of the, out of the last three the, weeks. And it was to the same team. It was two out of the last three weeks. Okay. What what does that matter? Well, you lose... The guy, the, guy, the guy plays bad for three weeks and should just lose his job? I'm not saying he should lose his job. I've been saying... Take a take a break, look at it from a different angle, we'll come back to you. And if you still can't figure it out, then you just gotta move on. I see. I I, I disagree. That's like ramming your head into a brick if wall it was, hoping, if it was, hoping it'll work. If it was his fourth year in the league, that's one thing. Or his third year in the league, even, that's one thing. The guy hasn't played a full season in the NFL yet. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one after this. Right here on Crunch Time, you're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Got just a couple minutes left in hour number one before we turn over to hour number two and get 
Wilson Alexander on to talk LSU and their loss Saturday night. Looking at the poll question, what frustrated you most about that Saints loss yesterday? Was it Kamara's fumbles? Was it the fact that they put up a whole zero points? Was it because it was just against the 49ers and you just hate the 49ers? Or was it something else? Right now, putting up a big old goose egg leads right now at 46.7%. Then second is Kamara's fumble with one-third of the votes. Then 13% is against the 49ers. And then we got 6.7 going to other. I mean, I, to me, I think that was pretty frustrating, but I don't know. I guess maybe it's just because you put up zero points against the 49ers, and that's the last four times that you've been skunked. We're all against the 49ers. I think that's what that's the biggest thing to me. I mean, yeah, that, that that's just... Because you lost in 2002. Two. You lost in the 90s. I forget which year it was. But then you had lost twice in the 80s back-to-back years in 84 and 85. Yeah. I want to say it was 98. But it was like every single time it's against the 49ers. And I can't stand the 49ers. It's pretty much on the same level of the Falcons. Falcons are ahead. Nope. Very close. It's the 49ers for me. Niners are third for me. I hate the Cowboys more than I hate the Niners. For me, and it's all the same kind of grouping. It's almost like in the A area. Falcons, Niners, Cowboys. One A, one B, one C. Hate the Cowboys. God, I hate the Cowboys. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to kick it off with Wilson Alexander, and then we'll hear from LSU and the Cajuns as well. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the SEC West champion LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Tiger Talk after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time. In the first hour, we spent a lengthy amount of time on the New Orleans Saints, falling to the San Francisco 49ers 13-0. Real quick, a couple of top headlines to get to. Hugh Freeze will now be the head coach at Auburn, he is the third coach to become the a, a new head coach following Matt Rule going to Nebraska and Luke Fickle heading to Wisconsin. Also in, in the Sun Belt, Jake Spavadol out as head coach at Texas State. Uh, according to Texas State University president, they will be hiring a new coach by the end of the week, if not next week. So that and a couple of big other big stories to get to, including the Houston Astros signing Jose Abreu to a three-year deal. But before we get to all of that, you know, we, we set this show up as a, as a good, a bad, and an ugly. We got the ugly out of the way. It's time to talk about what, we, what we're going to call bad, the LSU Tigers. It's time for Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look. Is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? I'm fighting off a little illness of some kind, but otherwise I'm doing okay. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for asking. And by the way, hope you feel better. Thank you. 
So, you know, looking at this game, a 38 to 23 loss to AM, where, you know, halfway through the third quarter, the, the game was tied. You know, what, what went wrong for this team? It was a couple of things. And even though the game was tied there halfway through the third quarter, um, as soon as that Jaden Daniels fumble got returned for a touchdown, it pretty much just flipped right back into Texas in favor. And LSU didn't have uh, really the firepower, it seemed like, at the end to try to make up the ground there. And uh, Texas A&M got back to what had made it successful all night, and that was running the football. LSU had a really tough time stopping the run. Devon A-Chain was, was brilliant, really. And you got to give your hats off to him, uh, the Texas A&M running back. But LSU... Uh, was getting pushed off the line of scrimmage in a way they really hadn't been this season, and also just had trouble trying to bring down a chain. I mean, he was there was times when LSU had an angle on him or was in the backfield with a chance to bring him down, and he just slipped out of, of tackles and and picked up yardage. I mean, bounced off Harold Perkins at one point, juked away from Joe Fouché at another time, uh, cut away from BJ Ojolari. I mean, those are some of LSU's best players, and Devon a chain was just. Uh, playing better than they were on Saturday night. Uh, Texas A&M's best players stepped up. and uh, LSU's didn't when they needed to. And this is an LSU team that has been maximized really all season and executed and played its best as possible for most of the year. I mean, certainly in those the stretch from Florida through the Alabama game in particular. Um, but in this case, they just didn't have a lot of energy and uh, they weren't able to stop the run and uh, they didn't, sort of play to that same level that they had been playing to. And you saw a team that um, was, you know, is a depleted roster and that is still in year one under a new coach. And I think that's a bit of a product of that. So, you know, you, you talked about the lack of energy. You talked about, you know, the lack of execution, this, that, and the other. Is that maybe because, I mean, I, I hate to use this term, but in your opinion, do you think LSU overlooked A&M? No, I'm not really – I don't think they did. Uh, I mean, Brian Kelly was saying, I mean, straight up from Monday last week, and it sort of got overlooked maybe, but was saying that this is a good Texas A&M team in terms of talent on the roster. Um, and there's no denying that. Uh, Texas A&M obviously had the number one recruiting class in the country last year, uh, and that's a whole, you know, ball of wax over there. But, you know, a, a lot of really good players uh, and some highly ranked recruiting classes now stacked on top of one another for a few years because Jimbo Fisher has been there now for about five years. And so um, this was a talented roster that just had not been playing well and was really ineffective on the offensive side. Um, so I don't think LSU was overlooking them because, you know, they, they said, even the players said that week that, you know, Texas A&M puts this together, they're a really good team. And uh, that's what we saw. Now, Harold Perkins got hurt in the game, was evaluated by medical personnel, tried to go back into the game, and just didn't really seem to be quite the same, except for one tackle in the backfield. You know what? What Brian Kelly say? What's the latest on, on the linebacker? Yeah, Brian Kelly wasn't actually asked about Harold today. Most, I guess, because Harold played uh, for you know in that game, like continued to play in the game. He was mostly used though on third down. Uh, it seemed to limit his usage, and he wasn't quite as effective as he had been um, even before the uh, the injury. Um, he wasn't, you know, necessarily ineffective, but wasn't having quite the same impact on the game uh, as he has been. Really, that was the case with LSU's entire defense. It wasn't just Harold, um, but he seems fine. I mean, all indications are that he, that he's okay. Um, because you know, Brian Kelly was asked about Harold a lot over the last couple of days, and by Georgia media in particular on some teleconferences. And really, what stood out was that Harold uh, was kind of a prime example of how LSU 
needs to combine traits and talent uh, in order to play its best and that it got away from those traits uh, like focus and discipline in the uh, Texas A&M game. Um, but all indications are that he is, is going to be you know available against Georgia. And then in a similar breath, Jaden Daniels was seen grabbing at his leg multiple times throughout the contest. Did uh, did Brian Kelly offer any update on him? Yeah, uh, Jaden is still in a walking boot on that right ankle uh, to protect that. He'll run on a uh, uh, you know treadmill uh, that you know removes G forces uh, so that it doesn't put pressure on the ankle and maintains his conditioning uh, today. While else, because Monday is like you know kind of a physical and uh, you know workout kind of day. They don't like uh, practice, um, and so he'll do that and then tomorrow he's got a test basically he just has to lift up off his toes to test the strength of his ankle and uh as long as that evaluation you know goes well then he'll practice tuesday and lsu will go from there now you know looking at this team now sitting at nine and three it's obvious that you know the, the the playoff is out of out of reach for brian kelly's tigers however an sec championship is still in play and and if you if you beat Georgia, you know there's obviously some some big bowl games that you could be looking at. You know, obviously, is the Sugar Bowl still in contention in in your mind? Yes, because if LSU beats Georgia, it is automatically going to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the Sugar Bowl takes the highest ranked SEC team that is not in the playoff, or like the SEC champion if it's not in the playoff. And so LSU would automatically go to the Sugar Bowl if it beats Georgia. If it does not beat Georgia and it's sitting at nine and four, then it is most likely not going to make a New Year's Six game. Um, maybe if Alabama somehow snuck in at number four, then that would open up another New Year's Six you know spot. In which case, maybe LSU would get in then. But it's hard to see them taking a nine and four team for a New Year's Six game, um, even though LSU has had a, you know a pretty good year and is going to play for a conference title. Um, taking a fourth loss would be would be tough, and LSU would likely be headed to the Citrus Bowl. Now, looking at Georgia, obviously, you know, undefeated, number one team in the country, you know, all of that. However, there's been a couple of moments this year, Wilson, where they've they've looked pretty vulnerable. You know, how how can LSU maybe exploit them in in that matchup in Atlanta? It comes down to a few things. They have looked uh, vulnerable at times. Georgia, though, when it turns it on, is definitely one of the best teams in the country and there's a reason that it's undefeated in the regular season for the second year in a row this is a good very very good football team um but they have had this tendency to kind of you know maybe not play to their best at times i mean you saw them uh struggle to put away kent state uh almost lose to missouri on the road um have it uh, kind of get things get interesting in the fourth quarter against kentucky um it goes back to a couple things really I'm something I'm very interested to see is uh, what happens in the red zone. This has sort of been an LSU defense that's kind of a little bit bend but don't break. And they're actually, they came into the Texas A&M game at number two in the country in terms of touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. That's since dropped to seven because Texas A&M had success in the red zone. But Georgia's offense is ranked 48th in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Uh, they've had struggle uh, as, at times this season put, finishing off drives with touchdowns. Um, part of that is because they haven't necessarily been great at on fourth and one, third and two kind of situations, just overpowering another team at the line of scrimmage. Um, they have gotten back to that a little bit and tried to establish the run, um, but there's been times on the goal line, particularly uh, you think back most recently to Kentucky in that fourth quarter is fourth and one. Georgia's up 16 to nothing. They try to punch it in. Kentucky stops them, turns around, 
scores and makes that fourth quarter pretty interesting. Um, so LSU is going to need to be able to make, hold uh, Georgia to field goals. If it does that, then it's going to have a chance to spring an upset. A lot of it also goes back to being able to stop the run. Micah Baskerville said today that he expects uh, Georgia to try to just run the football on LSU. Georgia's run uh, more than 40 times uh, in the last each of the last two games, and especially after LSU struggled to run the uh, stop the run against Texas A&M, uh, he expects Georgia to try to do the same against them, and that LSU's going to really have to do a good job stopping that. Now, you know, I mentioned some of the new head coaching hires in in the SEC. What are your thoughts on Hugh Freeze taking taking the job at Auburn? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Hugh Freeze has uh, accomplished as a football coach, but um, it was, I think, just peculiar that another SEC team went to hire him uh, just a few years after a massive scandal at Ole Miss, where he had, you know, an escort service and um, with recruits and uh, you know things with, a, you know, having contacts with that on his phone and. Um, missteps would be even putting it lightly. I mean, there was just a lot of issues and, and um, you know, kind of rot within that program and how it's being run. And, and you know, he went and had success at Liberty and, and all that. But um, it's sort of a little just a bit surprising to see him back in the SEC. Um, and uh, But it makes Auburn, uh, you know, kind of an interesting hire for Auburn, you know, because he had success at Ole Miss. He beat Alabama in back-to-back years, which is obviously what Auburn is always looking to do. But He's going to have to prove that um, he doesn't bring that same kind of baggage uh, to Auburn uh, that he ended up with at Ole Miss. Wilson Alexander joining us here for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you taking the time. Once again, hope you get to feeling better, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, y'all. Have a great week. And there he goes, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. 18, after the hour. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk... A little more LSU Tigers. Let's go to to Brian Kelly's post game, where you know he he talked to he he talked about how this team is already looking to next week and they will learn from this game. Yeah, we've already talked about it, and we're we're pretty much um, I would say moving down the road already. Um, they know what happened tonight. Um, you know, they understand our process um, and, and what they need to do and what maybe, you know, wasn't done, you know, to the level it needs to be done each and every week tonight. Um, but, man, I'm so proud of what they've done. Um, it's just so hard, I mean, to do it each and every week in this league. And, you know, we, we ran into a team that, um, played really well tonight at home, and um, we just we just didn't have what it what it took tonight for whatever reason. And um, we'll we'll learn from this. And, and and he's and he's right. You know, it kind of felt like a eh, it's whatever because I mean, it kind of is. I agree, but to me, I think 
with how much the the voters really liked what LSU was doing, I, you win here, and if you were able to be Georgia, I you have a really good shot, on. and and they and they put you in the playoff. Oh no, if you beat Georgia, you were in the playoff. You were in. Because how how are you going to take out the SEC champion? If you if you weren't if you weren't going to I don't put, care if they have two losses. If, if you weren't going to put them in, into the into the playoff, I mean you that that would that'd been the heist of the century. Then why were they ever five? Right, that that would have been the heist of the century. And, and look, obviously, you know the the goal every year is to win the national championship. So in in a sense, you didn't meet your goal. But here's my thing: as unfortunate timing as it was. Teams have bad games. And it's just really unfortunate timing that it came against AM in the regular season finale. But you just didn't play well. And AM did. This was AM's this was basically AM's bowl game. And they showed up. They stepped up and played for it. And they wanted it more. And sometimes that happens. You know, you, you you've seen people kind of start to question. This team and this coaching staff, I don't think that, that that's the case. Because let's hypothetically say you lose the SEC championship on Saturday. You finish 9-4 and four and make it to the Citrus Bowl. That is still way ahead of what we were talking about in August. Way ahead. Hell, that's way ahead than what we were talking about on Labor Day. After you lost to Florida State. So, I, I don't know that it's time. I, I, again, obviously, not fun to lose to AM. Not fun to lose the way you did. But uh, it, it just—it's a bad game at a bad time. And, and and I think that they will. I think that they will rebound, and I think that they will compete against Georgia. And if a player two goes your way, they might be raising the SEC championship trophy and playing in the Super, Caesar Superdome for the Sugar Bowl. And. I mean, who would complain with that? Because if you're complaining with a Sugar Bowl bid, ooh, expectations might be a little too high. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna say that. Obviously, you, you know, you want to be one of the four in the playoff. But if you can't be in the playoff, the Sugar Bowl is probably the next best thing. Uh, Brian Kelly was also, you know, he, he commended A and M and said that their best players played to the level that they needed to. Their good players played really, really well. Um, Achain was was outstanding. His cutback ability, um, he was he was very difficult today. Muhammad Stewart, quarterback played well. Yeah, I thought they, I thought their best players played to their level today. Um, there was great energy in the stadium. Um, we didn't match it, and um, our best players needed to make great plays. Um, we fell short in that area, and, and I fell short in, in preparing them. Brian Kelly also talked about the message to the team following this loss to AM. That this is hard, and and they've been great all year. They've they've done incredible things. They've they've uh, they've changed everything that they have known uh, in terms of their routine and the way they think and their habits and. It's always great to have a marching band, you know, right as you're going through it, especially after you lose a game. But you have to do it consistently. 
you know you you have to you can't just rely on 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 talent you know talent's got to make plays traits have got to be present every single day and and you know when you flip the switch to to performance you, you've got to be able to bring those with you and and we just for some reason we we're off today and um and it's my job to get this team prepared and and I didn't get them prepared the way they needed to be today. They were off today, and 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 I'm I'm disappointed in that. Brian, yeah, that, that band came out of nowhere. Brian Kelly's a funny cat. Sitting there, well, you know, it, it's nice when the when a marching band is. God, that's so funny. But you know, one thing to, about this game that that really stood out was at halftime. You were down 17 to 10. You come out early in the third quarter and you get a 19 yard touchdown run by John Emery that ties the game. There's a pretty easy turning point in this game, right? And, and Wilson alluded to it. If you don't have that scoop and score by Damani Richardson, LSU probably goes on to win this ball game. That was really the big turning point because you had, you had stopped their offense the last few drives, they really couldn't do much. You were you were starting to drive a little bit yourself, and then all of a sudden, Jaden has an uncharacteristic fumble, and they just pick it up and scoop it up yep. for a touchdown. And you lost all the momentum right then and there, and you just weren't, weren't able to recover because you got more of what happened and what was successful for Texas A&M in the first half, and that was just giving it to Devin Shane. Yeah, and then obviously they had the, the throw to, to Moose Muhammad for the, the 21-yard score, which was a phenomenal catch by by the young man, by the way. Uh, his dad had a pretty good career in the NFL. And, and again, you know, obviously, when when the playoffs are at hand, you, you never want to, you know, let games like this slip, especially uh, against a team that came into this contest dead last in the SEC. But, you know, I, obviously, like I said, the, this team is, is farther ahead than, than many people thought that they would be. They're still playing in the SEC championship game on Saturday, which you can you can still very well win. And if you win that, you go to a Sugar Bowl. If I'd have told you in August that Brian Kelly in his first year was going to have this team, let, let's say they win on Saturday. If I told you that Brian Kelly was going to have this team 10-3, and three, win the SEC, and go play in the Sugar Bowl in his first year, you were going to run away with it and jump for joy. And that's still intact. Hell, if they lose on Saturday, if they're nine and four, go play in the Citrus Bowl. I mean, that's still better than what most people expected for year number one. He's got a top recruiting class coming in in 2023, and Brian Kelly's going to have this program winning national championships, if not multiple. Keyword there is championships. I mean, this this program is going to be special under Ryan Kelly if things continue the way that they have so far in year one. But, you know, looking at... Brian Kelly was lastly asked, you know, why was A&M able to convert on third down in this game so easily? <laughs> what was the reason? It's we didn't do our job. We were not very good at 
getting off the field, executing, um, bending people back. I mean, we were off today. This was not a team that you had normally seen during the year, and I can't give you a great answer. Um, we didn't make the plays that we normally make. We didn't have the same fire that we normally have. And, and that falls on my shoulders too. I got to get our team prepared and ready. And, and I, I obviously did not do a very good job. If you were looking for great stocking stuffers for this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up today. We'll take a time out when we return. We'll recap the Louisiana Raging Cajuns getting their sixth win of the season, going bowling for the fifth consecutive year. We'll talk about two big possibilities of where they could end up right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout, perfect for tonight's game. I'll take the Colts' money line, an anytime touchdown for Najee Harris, and an anytime touchdown for Jonathan Taylor. Same game parlay is just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to place your bet faster in a game if you see a trend that you like, and then there's odds boosts and specials each day and some big super boosts each weekend around the biggest local and national matchups. There's no feeling nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Talking about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns getting their 41-13 win over Texas State on Saturday gives them their sixth win of the season and makes them bowl eligible for the fifth consecutive season. Look, you know, you look at this game, and it is a game that the Cajuns really had from the jump. They led 7 to 3 after the first quarter, scored 13 points in the second to take a 20 to 6 lead into the locker room, and in the second half they outscored Texas State 21 to 7. Chandler Fields played pretty well. Uh, he was 16 of 26, 187 yards. He had two touchdowns with just a one interception. Uh Draylon Washington had a big game as well and who would have thunk it? Quarterback-turned-wide receiver Lance Lejean would have a game of his life. Let's go to the hotline now. Chad, what's up? Uh, not too much. Man, there's one thing that's really aggravating is um, 
And I think Brian Kelly's done a great job, but to get uh, it's my job to get the players ready. There's so much on the line, and I, I just think they overlook. I, I think they looked overlooked A and M. There was a couple of quotes I worked in Baton Rouge on the Baton Rouge stations that they uh, asked a couple of the coaches right before the game uh, or that, that morning of, and the coaches were very nervous for, the, for them playing that game. Uh, they said they prepared all week, but they just had a, a, a bad feeling. Um, that they were just nervous about the game. But uh, with, with so much on the line and stake, uh, I know it was A&M's last game and that, that was their bowl game, uh, but I, it just seems like they just didn't bring the same energy as A&M did. Uh, but on the other hand, I think you're going to see a totally different LSU team uh, this weekend. I don't know if they're going to win or not, but I think you're going to have a lot better uh, played game. Uh, but just for the coach to say, I, did, I didn't prepare him enough, I, I just don't believe that. I think he's taking the blame. Uh, for that, I think they were prepared well. I just, I, was, I just don't think they brought the energy uh, like A and M did, man. But I'll, I hang up and listen. Thank you. Appreciate you, Chad. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what he's doing. You know, look at at, at the end of the day, A and M wanted it more. I, I, I think LSU had a, had a little bit of a um, an, an emotional letdown in this game. Not not to say that you know they had an emotional letdown after the game with UAB, but you know it's just kind of that last game where you're already nine and two, you've already locked up your spot in the SEC championship game, and you know yeah you were still playing for the playoff, and obviously there was a lot at stake, but in the same regard, I don't know there was just like you said there was there was a lack of energy for sure, and uh, I think A and M just wanted it more, plain and simple. Let's uh let's go back to the hotline, Max. What's up? I don't know what a catch is in football anymore. Nope, not a clue. Not in college, not in the pros. And it was two games that I watched back to back this weekend. I don't know what a catch is. I just got to wait for the refs to game by game figure out what it is and isn't, and then tell me. Yep. Because I'm not looking at it through LSU glasses, but whenever I see a receiver with two feet down catch the ball like a bread basket. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about the Dre Jenkins touchdown? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The ball doesn't shift. He moves to his right foot. College rules is one foot in bounds. He gets blasted by the defensive player. Clean play. He hops out of bounds on the same right foot. So at that point, the play is dead. He we, caught the ball one foot in bounds. He hops out of bounds. It's a catch. Well, you because see, this is the this is the way I explained it to a non-football fan. He catches the ball right foot. It's, Definitely in, left foot questionable. He hops out of bounds on the right foot. Okay, At that second, if he would take the ball and throw it back in bounds, would it be considered an interception or a fumble? No, it would be an out-of-bounds play. So why, whenever he makes the right foot out of bounds, is it not a touchdown? Because, uh, well, uh, I'll, first of all, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, and obviously you probably heard it too, what they said on the broadcast was that they considered him to be a – falling receiver so he had to survive the ground well that's about as subjective as can possibly be right because right because he wasn't the way... falling down until he takes the second step and in my opinion you know this is maybe lsu glasses but i think he knew it was a touchdown and as he's going down to the knee with the left leg he just kind of gives up the ball himself i don't feel like he was losing it no but yeah he, he, then, he thought then, he had scored then jumped 
<laughs> jump to Saturday or Sunday's game, and Chris Olave well, catches the ball. The ground in the NFL cannot cause a fumble. And what happens? The ground causes a fumble, and they say, no catch. I'm like, I don't know what a catch is. Well, it ha- it also happened week two against the Bucks. I mean, Chris Olave fumbled because he hit the ground, and they called it a fumble. So I, I have no idea at this point. Does, does, did anybody else notice on the uh, Jane Daniels uh, fumble that he misread that package? If he'd have given it to John Emery, yes. he was wide open up the biggest hole all game and would have probably got about 25, if not a TD. When I watched that replay, I was like, oh, and I'm not ripping on Jaden because he's done amazing in other parts of every other game where without him, we probably wouldn't have won them games when he would do the quarterback read and he would make the right decision. So I'm not ripping on him at all. But it's just like to see that play turn out the way it did and then to also see the hole that Emory ran through was yep. like, oh, my God. Oh, no no, no question. No question. Um there, there was definitely a, a couple of plays where, where Jade misread, but I mean that you're gonna you're gonna have that. And then it just seemed like nothing could go wrong for A and M. Like Muhammad, every possible contested catch, he's just like got stick him on his hands. It's yep. like that don't ever happen. Come on, but of course it happens against us. So I'm like, bruh, what am I watching here? Killed all my parlays. I had a fifty thousand futures bet on. LSU winning the Natty killed that bet. I'm like, bro, this sucks. So, yeah, it, it, it's a, it, it, it was a rough one for sure. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah. Later. But yeah, you know the the so we brought up the Dre Jenkins catch. Let, let's go to that. The rules analyst. So you know the the t, you have your play by play guy. You have your coach, and then they always have like a a former referee who, who's a rules guy. The rules analyst literally said, word for word, he explained it. He said, if the receiver is falling over to make the catch, he has to maintain possession and survive the ground. Okay, that's fair. However, when Jeray Jenkins maintains possession of the football, he is about as upright as you could be. He only fell because he got pushed. My thing is, when he has possession of the ball and a foot in the end zone, it's a touchdown. That's it. The play is dead. If you if you touch, it's like diving for the pylon. If the ball's inside the pylon, it's a touchdown, isn't it? Why did that not apply here? The second he is inside the pylon with possession of the football, it should have been a touchdown. Now, granted, in hindsight, you look at the final score, would that touchdown really change things? I don't know. Maybe it would have given LSU some more momentum and things could have turned out differently after that. But, yeah, I mean, Max is exactly right. What is a catch anymore? And also, in the NFL, I, I, I looked it up when he, he he's right. In the NFL, if there is contact, the ground cannot cause a fumble. Now, if he is not touched at all then the ground could cause a fumble yeah which is why Olave Olave's fumble in week two in week against two the Bucks was counted. a fumble because the the Bucks defender didn't touch him but Correct. he just he just hit the ground and he fumbled but like you said he Olave got, got tapped he got tapped on the ankle calf area and his his knee hits first, then his elbow, and then he just loses and, it. And you can't tell me in the 20 times that they rewatched it during the review that you didn't see that. So how, how at that point is that not a catch? 
Because it's not like he tripped over himself. Right. It's not a, it's, it's a catch. It's a catch, and he's down as soon as his forearm hits the turf. I, I just, to me, it infuriates me a little bit more since I am a receiver and I was a receiver. Anytime I would catch the ball, I, I'm not worried about anything else. I'm more worried about if I'm falling to the ground, I am making sure that that thing does not pop out as I'm falling or once I hit the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I see it way too often with college and professionals losing the ball as soon as they hit the ground. It's like, guys. Yep. Guys, it's, yep. guys, I'm not a professional, but man, why am I able to do this so often? And I see you screw this up more often. Yep. I, I don't see it. And it's not like it's not like it's wide open for me. I've been hit as I catch the ball too. And I still maintain it the whole way through, even if I get blasted out of bounds as I'm trying to catch a sideline ball, or I get blasted going across the middle. Still hold on to it. Or even or even with Olave getting tripped. It's like how are you how are you using the ball as your elbow hits? I always put the nose on the inside. On the inside right here to make the L. I always put it there. That way it's more secure, and I even also, just to make sure, extra tuck it in and also put my other hand over. Yep. That way it doesn't squeeze out. That was that was my issue with Kamara yesterday. Both of his fumbles, he was not bracing the football. You have to, you have to assume, unless you are running free, you have to assume at first, as soon as you catch the ball, you are about to get hit. Both and, you and have look, to you have to assume that the, the the Fred Warner fumble where he punches it out. Look, if Kamara's got both arms around the football and Warner still finds a way to knock the football free, good on you. Congrats on Fred. You, you, you it was, got it was a, the same a thing. Great with, play. It was the same thing with Mark Ingram. Right. Going back to week two with the Bucks. Great, like, great like play. He had both hands on the ball. That was just incredible job by the Bucks defender. But if you as the runner are not doing everything possible. To protect the football, it's on you. Like as much criticism as nationwide, as Scotty Miller for the Bucks and Tyler Lockett have gotten, because instead of them trying to fight for extra yards, they just go down. Yep. As 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 much as they've gotten blasted for that for not trying to fight for extra yards, I applaud it because they're not getting injured. Also, they're securing the catch no matter what. You know what I mean? And there and there's there's a guarantee of no fumble. No, for sure, for sure. Um, going back to the Cajuns though, forty-one to thirteen win. Michael Desermo met with the media post game, and he said that their aggressiveness really paid off. No, I tell our kids all the time. You know, we go into the games to win the games. We're not playing not to lose. Um, we're not going to play with hesitation. Um, and tonight, you know, we we're going to be aggressive. Uh, you know, we went down there, got down in to the inside the five-yard line, went for it on fourth down. We didn't get it. Well, you know, we'll put our defense out there and let them go play. And, um, you know, we took a couple shots. You know, they covered them pretty well, but we're going to call them. We're going to make people cover them. It loosens everything up in the run game, and we were able to <clears throat> run and throw the ball effectively. So, um, you know, really pleased with our coaching staff and game plan, I thought, on offense. Um, you know, those guys did a really good job putting it together. Um, defensively, we've got some big plays, you know, some momentum plays that we needed. Um, <laughs> you know, certainly there's some things that we've got to work on, some of these run fits and, and the edge runs and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's always it's always better to be able to work on that after you get a win. Desermo also said that, you know, Lincoln Perry especially, 165 yards rushing 
or 221 yards rushing, excuse me. Uh, they struggled to stop the run. Yeah, it, you know, we didn't win any one-on-ones. You know, we were getting swallowed up one-on-one. Um, I don't think we played a great pad level. Um, I felt like we didn't use our hands very well. And um, the edge of the defense, you know, we were trying to spill things and uh, create a short edge, and we weren't getting over the top. We were getting blocked up at the second level as well. So, you know, we're going to have to uh, go back and look at it because certainly anybody that you play next, they're going to look at these gap schemes and these things that they do, and they're going to they're run them, you know. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those deals. You go in there with a the game plan, feeling good about it, and then it, it ends up not working the way you want it to. Um, you try to make some adjustments at halftime, and then certainly play better in the second half. But you know, they still they still had their share in the first in the second half, and uh, you know, it's things that we got to get cleaned up for sure. Um, we pride ourselves on stopping the run, so we got to do that better. On the other side, he was pleased with their running game. It was really efficient, you know, and, and these guys are good against the run. Um, you know, a lot of teams have, have struggled because they do a lot of stuff up front. They're active and their D line. They they play really well. Um, no, I, I was really pleased. I thought up front we did a nice job. We ID things well. I thought we did a good job picking up the movement. Um, and I thought our backs did a really good job pressing the blocks. Uh, some of them hit front side that typically don't. Um, you know, they, they did a really good job. Our tight ends played well on the edge. So, um, you know, we got to some things that worked for us that were good. Um, and, you know, and our, our kids, I mean, it doesn't matter really what you call you know, the kids have to go out there and execute, and, and they did. They executed really well, very efficient. Um, I, w- I was pleased with the way we ran the ball. The World Cup is back, and you can watch thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette, free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. And if you're in Lake Charles, World Cup fans can watch on Telemundo Lake Charles, free over the air on Channel 19.2 and Sudden Link Channel 137. Thrilling World Cup action can be found on Delta Media. Take a final timeout, wrap up today's show after this. Preview the Monday Night Football matchup here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We told you earlier about Bayou Pop Popcorn. How about Mudcat Whiskers? If you're still looking for that great Christmas gift, make sure to check out the $30 voucher to Mudcat Whiskers for just $15 $30 voucher, half the price on AcadianaDeals.com. You got to go check those two great deals out. Uh, there are no miss opportunities right here before the Christmas holidays. Back here on Crunch Time, a couple more minutes over the weekend. Southern took down Grambling in the annual Bayou Classic 34 to 17. At the end of the first quarter, Grambling had a 7 0 lead, but then Southern outscored them 14 to 3 in the second quarter. And then the third quarter was the same story as the first. 7 nothing Grambling. But then Southern puts 20 on them in the fourth to run away with it. Once again, 34-17. to 17. The Jags at 7-4 and four will now prepare for the SWAC championship game this Saturday against Deion Sanders' undefeated Jackson State Tigers. That game is going to be intriguing, to say the least. Uh, also, he, once again, Hugh Freeze hired at Auburn as the new head coach. He was described as the best fit. Speaking of Jackson State, Deion Sanders 
was offered the Colorado job. Now, the key word here in this conversation is that he didn't say that he wouldn't take it. He just said that he was offered the position. So something to look out for. Something to monitor. So, you know, uh, and then Stanford, their head coach, David Shaw, resigned over the weekend. Um, So that's something to watch out for. Melvin Gordon is now on the Chiefs practice squad. Cade McNamara, the Michigan quarterback that uh, James, you and I talked about at the beginning of the season between him and J.J. McCarthy, who should have started. Uh, McNamara is now transferring out of the University of Michigan. And Brett Favre has filed a motion for his lawsuit in Mississippi to be dismissed. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, Brett. Oh. Oh, Brett. Oh, favor. Oh, Brett. All right, so tomorrow, well, tonight, actually, real quick, Steelers and Colts. James, who wins? Colts. Yeah. El Jefe. El Jefe. El Jefe right on. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., USA-Iran. Winner gets in. Take care of business. Say it with me. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. All right, cool. 1 o'clock tomorrow. You can catch it on Telemundo Lafayette, like we said earlier, 50.3, Cox Channel 19, or if you're in Lake Charles, 19.2, and Sudden Lake Channel 137. I want to take this opportunity to thank Wilson Alexander for taking the time to join us. Appreciate each of our callers today. James Mesh, I appreciate everything you do on Days That End and Why. Uh, for James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Same time tomorrow, and it's on the same station. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Zach Gelb Show is up next.